0: The following is a hoop ball presentation. Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. Two weeks to go in the NBA regular season, many of you in finals week in your head to head matchups, and we rumble along. Once again, good morning, everybody. Happy Monday to you all. Welcome to Fantasy NBA Today, a hoop ball presentation. I'm your host, Dan Bespris, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S, if you want to follow me on Twitter. Although at this point in the season, I doubt many of you are looking for a new fantasy basketball podcast. Those of you that are still listening, uh, thank you, for one. And I would ask you all to please don't stop listening just because we hit the off season. I got a lot of good stuff lined up. We'll do some off-season rank boards. We're going to break down every team in the NBA. We'll get yourself, get everybody ready for free agency. And this will be, by the way, a quick turnaround off again. Remember, most of the time, the NBA finals end in early mid-June. The draft is about two weeks later. Free agency is about ten days after that. Uh, but you're you're talking about June to October, where there are no fantasy game. Well really April to October, there's no fantasy games for us to look at from a full season fantasy perspective. This year, the finals are likely to end in mid-July, slightly later in the month than usual because the regular season here goes till the 16th of May, and usually it's ending by around April 10th or 11th, so slightly later in July. Free agency is like two weeks after that, and they're going to try to start the season in October. I think they want to get back on their normal schedule. So our offseason is cut by a little more than a month. Free agency will be um, pretty close to about the same distance from the end of this regular season coming up. But then between free agency and actual basketball, it's going to be a sprint again. So we're going to rearrange everything. We'll get you ready. And then, of course, we'll do all of our mock drafts and stuff like that. But we got all sorts of things lined up for the offseason. So please do continue to listen uh we'll have if there's any my bookie odds boost promos going on how else are you going to know about it other than me tweeting about it rampantly like a crazy person anyway welcome to the show everybody the the plan is sort of the usual now it's not the usual for the regular season it's the usual for the head to head playoffs where we're going to work our way through the weekend it's a reverse chronological lightning round but it's just approached a little bit differently because we're looking at things from a Stream perspective, meaning both head-to-head and roto streams. What we've affectionately started calling streams of schedule versus streams of opportunity. That's where you're getting it in roto, guys stepping into giant opportunity, even if their schedule's not very good. So let's go through the weekend. Let's see what we figured out. Brooklyn and Milwaukee on Sunday morning, well, midday, I guess, wasn't a morning game, Kevin Durant is back, and he is ready to go. It's been an up-and-down season for KD. Generally, when he's been in, he's been fantastic, but he hasn't been in all that much. He's the number seven player by averages in fantasy basketball, but he's only played 28 games. So between KD and Anthony Davis, you've got these guys putting up big, fat numbers, but not doing it often enough. KD certainly better than AD on the uh, per game front, and it really isn't all that close this season. It actually, and, and KDU and Anthony Davis, KD and AD, those guys are going to give us some really interesting talking points in the offseason about where these guys are going to get drafted next year and whether or not it's worth it. But regardless, he's in there and he'll be playing in non back to backs, I would assume. Brooklyn has two back to backs next week, so his four gamer might become two rolling into the end of the regular season. But they have three games this week. None of them is a back-to-back. Great. Good news. Wonderful all around. Bruce Brown got back in there but only played five minutes, so he obviously isn't quite fully healthy. Jeff Green hurt his hip, but there was no real post-game note on it, so I would call him day-to-day at worst right now. DeAndre Jordan somehow back into the mix for this one. I guess they wanted him to deal with the uh, hulking frame of Brooke Lopez. I, I don't fully understand how the Nets center rotations are shaking out right now. So you can probably dodge those for all intents and purposes. And because this team doesn't have a good schedule upcoming, you can just punt on anything head to head related. Milwaukee. Uh, they were on the other side this ball game actually against Brooklyn was the middle game of a five and seven for the Bucks. So they're off today. And then they play tomorrow and Wednesday. And then you want to get the hell out of the bucks business for four days and if your season goes to the very end, then they've got a five gamer the last week of the year, but they only play once between Thursday and Sunday of this week. So as Bucks go, not that they really don't have streamer types. Bobby Portis had food poisoning, so he was out for this ball game, and he's the only one that was close. And that was mostly because Giannis was out. So screw the Bucks. We're going to move along because they're very. Very simplistic fantasy team at this point. Portland beat Boston. Blazers are shooting the lights out right now, such as the magic of hitting three-pointers. Both teams actually made quite a few. 19 threes for Portland, 20 for Boston. Difference in this ballgame, Boston 18 turnovers, and the Blazers just a nine. C.J. McCollum had a big one, which was nice. He hasn't had that many huge ballgames lately. Dame was good. Nurk has finally now, and it happened last week really, taken over the center position, so Ennis Cantor can be safely dropped. Carmelo Anthony has become your streamable on the Portland Trail Blazers, and I only bring that up because today is the end of a 5 and 7 for Portland. But if you wait three days, they actually start another one on Friday. Now that has to matter. If your team goes to the very end of the regular season, if they're ending this week, you could probably just hold on to whatever Blazer you were streaming until uh, Saturday. Let him play Saturday and then flip him out on Sunday. Or just get out of the Blazers business after today if there's someone else on the docket that perhaps has a better either schedule or just is a juicier player to use than Carmelo Anthony. That shouldn't be that hard to find. Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown both had ankle stuff in this ballgame. Marcus Mark had ejected, but presumably that won't have any carryover. And Evan Fournier came out and talked about how COVID has been affecting him. He says he play, he's, feels like he's playing it with a concussion every day. Like his vision is screwball. He has no depth perception, he said. And this is the type of stuff we're talking about. Derrick Rose, Jason Tatum, these guys that took time to get back to where they were before. Well, Fournier's finally now. He's starting to inch closer to it. This is a better ball game, And certainly, if Tatum and or Brown have to miss any time, then hell yeah, you take the Fournier plunge. If they don't, I think I'd rather wait to see if this happens again because Boston's schedule isn't very good. They have two days off here, today and tomorrow, before they play in Orlando on Wednesday as part of a three-game week. So for Boston, this is really more about a schedule or a stream of opportunity Keep an eye on things. Uh, if your pickups are a day in advance, you know, tomorrow you could grab Fournier if he's been dropped. He was, he's was he been held by a lot of teams in the hopes that he could kind of get back to something like this more regularly, but teams are kind of cannibalizing themselves by just waiting on a guy like Fournier at this point in the season. But if he got dropped in your league, keep an eye on him. Again, more so on the, on the Roto side. But if, you know... It, If we find out that Tatum and or Brown are more injured than it looked like, then you could consider him for potentially both sides of that coin. Uh, Nothing else that I'd really do with the Boston Celtics at this point there. You know, I guess if everybody's out again, it's the same point we're recycling a, a conversation topic. If everyone's out, then a lot of guys move into value, but not enough for me to care all that much. The pecking order would basically be as guys drop out, Marcus Smart's already on the right side of the ledger. Fournier would first move from the wrong to the right side. Then it would probably be Peyton Pritchard, who would move from the wrong side to the right side of the ledger. Then maybe Aaron Neesmith. I I doubt it. Uh, He's been okay lately, though. He's scoring a little bit more, but... Six out of seven shooting is not particularly sustainable. In any event, on to the next one. Knicks beat the Rockets 122 to 97. New York not messing around in this one. They wanted to get a little bit of rest because they have another one tonight in Memphis, a much tougher ball game. This is part of a nearly season-ending six-game road trip for the Knicks. That's a tough time to throw in a almost a two-week vacation. Or a two-week trip, I guess, not a vacation. They're in Memphis tonight. Denver, Phoenix, Clippers, Lakers is the rest of this road trip. So the Knicks are—this th- is the gauntlet at the end of the season for them. They come home and host the Spurs, Hornets, and and Celtics. So not that it gets a ton easier, but at least they'll be home for some of those ball games. Meanwhile, the Knicks are very comfortably hanging out in the four seat in the Eastern Conference. They're not going to be in the play-in tournament, I don't think, although I guess anything could happen. A lot of teams behind them would have to win while they're losing. And admittedly, this is going to be one of the tougher stretches of their whole season. But they're playing well right now. Derrick Rose is back to full tilt, finally. If you could wait that one out, that's great. We talked about D. Rose a billion times on this podcast. Just like, the the wait, how long will it be until he gets his game back post-COVID? And it happened... Right around April 20th or so, April 18th, April 20th, he started to show those signs of coming around, and it's just continued this upward trend where he's now playing 30, 33, 33, 25, that was a blowout, and he even got 31 in the blowout yesterday. And he's he's storming the barn. He's crushing at the moment. Last two weeks, he's number 50 in 9-cat. Unfortunately, not all of us could wait that long. Some some of us, we had to just sort of move guys around because there was a long stretch there where D. Rose was not good. And it was a long stretch. It was like a month after coming back where he wasn't himself. That's hard to sit on someone for that long. But he's there. And that's why we kept watching him every day on this podcast. We were like, all right, is he here? That is, is he close? Is he getting there? Because we wanted to be the ones to jump on him when he was. And now look what he's doing. He's their featured guard behind R.J. Barrett, who's almost like a, a a wing being mushed into a guard spot. So Rose, Randall, those guys are killing it in 9-cat. Nerland's was, so they got hurt in this ballgame. Well, turned an ankle. We don't know what his status is. He's sort of day-to-day at the moment. We'll see how that shakes out. Tosh Gibson, by the way, should be a very good streamer of opportunity in the meantime. You could make an argument that he's kind of a streamer of schedule. Knicks do have four games this week and eight the rest of the way, but it's every other day. So if Nerlens happens to pop back up midweek, then you're going to have to abandon ship on the Taj Gibson thing, and that's kind of annoying. You don't want to have to use another move uh, if you're not actually gaining many games with it. You're just trying to get off of a player. So I would like Taj more on the roto side since you can abandon ship without using up a weekly move. Reggie Bullock continues to hit, and hit three-pointers, so that's cool. And that's your Knicks. Houston side, Christian Wood... Had a leg thing. There was like calf, quad, ankle. I don't even think they could decide which part of him was in the most pain. But it sounds like he's going to miss a little bit of time. And that is intriguing. Because we don't really know what the Rockets are going to do if, I would almost say when, Wood misses some time. They have three games between Wednesday and Saturday this week. Off for two days here. So there is a, a fleeting chance that he might play through whatever this thing is. But if he sits it out, the last time that Christian Wood had to miss just a little bit of time, and, and let's do our research here, and then we can kind of see this thing through. Wood has played most of his games recently. He missed one on April the 24th in Denver against the Nuggets. Rockets lost that game 129-116. Kelly Olynyk slid up to play center. That was a pretty easy one to figure out. But they were also missing Kevin Porter Jr., because he was in COVID protocols at that point. So, Jay Sean Tate was the starting shooting guard. He actually got hurt mid ball game there. That also kind of threw things out of whack. Armani Brooks slid in as, I guess, the point guard, but there sort of wasn't really one. It was actually kind of point center with Kelly Olytic. DJ Wilson started, and KJ Martin Jr. started in that ball game. Yesterday for the Rockets, Olytic started, Wood started. Those are easy ones. KPJ started, Sean Tate, and Avery Bradley, who started and played 20 minutes. Off the bench, KJ Martin played 32 minutes. He was the only bench player yesterday that was worth even a glance. The rest of them were all under 20 minutes. Daquan Jeffries had 19. Armani Brooke played 18. That was the closest anybody got to 20 minutes on the Rockets. So comparing the two results from these ball games suggests that, first of all, uh, KPJ will be in there. That's a, a not even a question mark. Avery Bradley didn't play in that game uh, that Wood missed a couple weeks ago also. So I, I suppose there's a possibility that he also chews up some time. So Kevin Porter Jr., Avery Bradley, let's say they're taking about 60 minutes off the table. They played 57 combined yesterday. We'll round up just for ease of use. So those guys weren't in there, and now they are. Christian Wood, you take him out, that gives 35 minutes back. So there's still 25 minutes from that game two weeks ago that are not likely to be available to the Rockets in this next one. And I would venture to guess that most of the minutes that are not available come more on the guard side. So Jay Sean Tate probably slides up and plays small forward, or something to that effect. Kevin Porter Jr. is going to be your starting point guard. Avery Bradley is probably your starting shooting guard for the Rockets next game. This is, again, assuming Christian Wood is out. So that leaves the power forward slot open. And I guess there's a wacky universe where Tate could even slide up and play power forward. Then it would still leave the small forward slot open. So it's a forward position that's going to be open for the Rockets, and that's where we're going to try to find our value. Would they start K.J. Martin Jr.? If that game from a couple weeks ago is any indicator, I already forgot what day that was, April 24th. If that game is any indicator, the answer is maybe. Because DJ Wilson also started that game. And it wasn't really clear who was the power forward and who was the small forward. I don't know that it needed to be. But, but, one thing that I think we can keep in mind. First of all, DJ Wilson didn't play yesterday. K.J. Martin is a, is absolutely positively ahead of him in the Rockets' pecking order. And the reason I'm going through this so thoroughly on a Monday podcast for a team that doesn't play until Wednesday is that for many of you, in Roto in particular, you're making your moves a day in advance. If you're looking at head-to-head, you can probably wait until that day to get a better idea of what Christian Wood's status is, and maybe we get more info on whether they expect him to play at all this week. Head-to-head, I don't like it. Because unless we find out that Wood is out for the entire week then that's another situation where you're picking up a guy and maybe, maybe having to drop him for no reason other than his role just kind of shrinks and it's not a good stream anymore. As I've said before, in Roto, you can get away with that sort of thing. So I would consider a K.J. Martin pickup on the news that Christian Wood is probably going to miss a little bit of time. You can expect, well, not great numbers. But if you look at his his game log, when he plays 30 minutes or more, he tends to score in double figures. He tends to get at least one block. He tends to get about five, six rebounds, somewhere in that neck of the woods. And he tends to shoot the ball relatively well from the field. In fact, on the season in 21 minutes, he's shooting 51%. Last 30 days of minutes have trended up. Not enough. He's still at 50% there. And last couple weeks, he's playing 27 minutes. The problem, of course, here for Martin is that he doesn't get much usage. He doesn't really hit the three ball. His free throw shooting isn't very good. And unless the blocks can overwhelm things, you're talking about a guy that's not really a specialist in any one thing. It's just kind of meh in a whole bunch of categories. And you're counting on that as a potential float. I don't even think that in Roto you can look at it and say, oh, well, like if you need blocks, go get him. But he is probably the winner in the if christian Wood misses time sweepstakes. Let's keep rumbling along. Phoenix Suns beat the Thunder 123-120. This was your prototypical letdown game for Phoenix after a very difficult part of their schedule that they handled relatively well. Suns uh, had the Clippers and the Jazz before they had the Knicks, the Nets, the Celtics, the Sixers, the Bucks on their road trip. It had been this this crushing run for Phoenix, and then all of a sudden they got the Thunder at the end of all of it. They're on the road at Cleveland and Atlanta. They got the Knicks at home. Lakers again towards the end of the week. So it ramps back up pretty quick for the Suns, who got another nice game from Torrey Craig. And last week I was like, well, I don't know that we can trust him because I thought Jay Crowder would come back at some point last week. He didn't. And I'm going to issue the same warning this week. I think Jay Crowder comes back at some point. However, Torrey Craig does appear to be the guy. Cam Johnson was dealing with a little injury nagging thing coming into this ballgame. So he came off the bench and played 21 minutes. But it seems like Craig is the, is the guy for now. But better for Roto than head-to-head because you don't want to have to just drop a guy midweek. On the Thunder side, well, they, they sort of were who we thought they were, meaning they had five games this last week. They don't have anybody, really. Maybe Lou Dort, not really, as it turned out, that could hit the radar in Roto formats. But the rest of the team was almost exclusively a, I'll start this guy because he has five games in seven days situation. Ty Jerome was pretty good. If you roll all five games together, the Maladone was, actually Jerome missed one. It was four out of five. Maladone didn't play all that well over the week, had this decent one, and again, mush it all together over five games. It was okay. Kenrich Williams, Isaiah Roby, all those guys were okay if you mushed it all together in five games. And none of them is worth using on a per-game basis. We continue. By the way, you can pretty much punt on your thunder now. Kings beat the Mavericks again. I, I mean, I really can't understand how this one happened. Kings swept the Mavericks in the season series. Three games to none. Sacramento got their 27th win of the year. And they've won two games in a row. Don't look now, but the Kings are trying to blow up the Western Conference playoff race because they've beaten the Mavericks and the Lakers in their last two ball games. Those teams, by the way, Mavs, Blazers, Lakers, all tied for the five seed right now. LeBron is not happy about the play-in tournament, probably because his two superstars and the Lakers have missed two, three, three and a half months combined this year. I think generally he's just not happy about the ridiculously fast turnaround and what it led to, but it's going to be an interesting stretch run here. A lot of, un, a lot to unpack on the King's side in particular, the Mavericks, they finished now their five game week. Dallas has a pretty packed schedule the rest of the way. Uh, but if you're looking at them, you're not picking up anybody until Thursday. So they go th- three games Thursday through Sunday. It's actually part of a five and seven. If your season goes beyond the end of this week, but I don't think that you're venturing too deep into Mavericks territory anyway, because the non-Luca and Porzingis is back out again, but really the non-Luca and non-KP guys are really only worth using in a 5-7 and seven scenario. It was nice to see Dwight Powell play relatively well again. just doesn't seem like he can carve out a role when Porzingis is healthy. For the Kings, Tyrese Halliburton hurt his knee. He's scheduled for an MRI today. I would actually be kind of surprised if he played at any point the rest of this year. Kings have eight games left. What's the point? You got a great season out of your rookie. There's no real purpose in pushing him forward. So I think he's probably done for the year. I might be wrong, but that's the impression I'm getting. You can probably drop him in head-to-head. Roto, you can hang on, I guess, if you're anywhere near your actual games cap. All that to say that there are some things happening in Kingsland. Aaron Fox is still out for presumably another week or so. Maybe he doesn't come back. I don't know. Regardless... It's still on right time. Good Lord, I love saying that. In any context, it, it's great. It's still on right time. Pick him up, start him. I don't care whether it's head-to-head or Roto. They got four games this week. I, I, I can't imagine that he's not starting with Tyler, Tyrese Halliburton and Darren Fox both out. I don't know what else they could possibly do there. He's a point guard. He's the one they've got left, and he's going to be great. In starters minutes, we know what he can do. He's a top 60 guy, so just run him out there. And when someone comes back, you can kind of reassess things a little bit. But I got to think you're getting at least two to three games of full Dylan Wright starting and maybe more. Meanwhile, feels like I'm doing the super friends. Meanwhile, Marvin Bagley, 34 minutes in his second game back. 23 points, nine boards, three assists, a steal, a three ball, good field goal percent. He's going through some stuff at the free throw line this year. That that does concern me. He's certainly better equipped to be a points league asset. But I think you can... I, I think you probably just have to add him and see what happens. I don't know if I can... I really don't know if I'm comfortable starting Marvin Bagley. He, he's shown himself too many times this year to just be a, a detriment to fantasy teams. But when he gets the big minutes and big usage, he can get close to overwhelming the bad free-throw percent. So I think you got to add him, and with all these guys out, you probably have to start him. Yeah, throw him in there, see what happens. Philadelphia, they're now settled into sort of a start-the-starters kind of thing, and on the San Antonio side, they rested everybody. So just throw this one out. This is a nothing game. We'll just keep going. Miami 121, Charlotte 111. Andre Iguodala hurt his hip in this ball game, which is a trademark old man injury. But it sounds like he's day-to-day. All that does in the short term is it makes Trevor Ariza an even more intriguing stream. He was on our list of roto streams for most of last week, although they did have that back-to-back over the weekend. The Heat don't have a particularly good head-to-head schedule here. So you're not streaming anyone for schedule on Miami. They only have three games this week, and they're spread out real wide. They have one game over the first four days of the week, then two they go Friday-Sunday to finish things off. So this is very much a roto target. Goran Dragic is playing for Miami nightly, probably because they don't want to drop into that damn seven spot. Heat, winners of three in a row, they're finally getting lasered in. I think they probably feel like they can pass the Hawks for the five seed, and they'd want to, because that would get them the Knicks in the first round instead of the Bucks. There's an ever-so-slight talent jump between those two teams. Not effort, but talent. I don't think you're passing the Knicks. Maybe you are. I don't know. They said they've got a tougher portion of the schedule coming up. Point is, for the Heat, you're not looking for anybody that's fringy. You only want guys that are well above the cut line. And lately, actually, Ariza's been above the cut line. You guys know I've liked his fantasy game for a really long time. And he's, he's doing the stuff he needs to do. Which is three-pointers, steals, rebounds, blocks... Over the last two weeks, Trevor's number 116 because his free throw percent was 61.5. But he's at 9.6 boards, 2.5 assists, 1.3 steals, and almost a block during that stretch. If you sort of level off the non-weird numbers, he's easily inside the top 100. In fact, over the last week, where his free throw percent is at 70 instead of 61, I mean, that makes a big difference. Field goal percent is at 46, which is actually ever so slightly above Trevor's career mark. Two threes, twelve points, five boards, two and a half assists, one point eight steals, one point three blocks. That will trend down. But he's a startable guy in Roto right now. He's three and D with a little extra goodies mixed in. What about Kendrick Nunn? Um, with Dragic playing, Hero's been out, and that's kind of allowed Nunn to get this sort of free reign that he's acquired once again. There's always somebody out on Miami. That's the one thing you can feather in your in your cap. He's very score only kind of fantasy guy. So uh, I think probably a bit more suited for points leagues. You could potentially stream him if you need three pointers because he has been pretty good in that respect lately. He's actually inside the top 100 for the year, in your great surprise of the century. But he's also really hot right now. He's hitting 54% of his shots and three three pointers a game over the last month. So to that end, you probably just keep using him in roto in whatever format, because he's been good enough. And then if guys come back and knock him off his pedestal, then you deal with it then. We're at a point in the season where you're not really looking, oh, what happens when so-and-so comes back? Because they may not. There's two weeks left. Lamelo all came back for the Hornets over the weekend. Cody Martin got hurt for the Hornets over the weekend. And what does that mean? Well, Lamelo was mostly taking stuff away from Devontae Graham. And my concern... I actually thought they would go a different direction. I thought they'd go heavier on the guards. But it actually turns out that LaMelo and Malik Monk both coming back at the same time was just sort of too much for the guard rotation to handle. It's too much. This team has a ton of guys that can handle guard stuff and not that many that can handle forward stuff. Miles Bridges, who's already taken an ever-so-slight dip as guys get healthy. By the way, still no timetable on Gordon Hayward, so you can keep rolling Miles Bridges out there. P.J. Washington, he's rolled back into his nice... Uh, spot with this team. And then with Cody Martin getting hurt, it looked like it thrust Jalen McDaniels back into decent minutes. I'm not taking the plunge on Jalen McDaniels. Charlotte has four games this week and four again next week. And schedule is fine. But my concern will remain, as always, who comes back and when. If Cody Martin, Martin excuse me, comes back midweek, there was no point in picking up Jalen McDaniels. Malik Monk, he'll probably get his 20-some-odd minutes, and he loves to chuck shots. But that's very points league. He had five assists in that ballgame yesterday, but I don't think you can really count on that continuing. So leave him alone. Toronto, resting different bodies on a daily basis, got a win over the Lakers, trying to work LeBron James and Anthony Davis back into things together now. LeBron, ankle soreness sent him out with about seven minutes to go in the ballgame. Hopefully, this is more about treatment and just maintaining than anything else the Lakers were down I think 18 19 points at the time so things were kind of slipping away they made it tighter down the stretch but it never really got all that close Kuzma had a big ball game AD still can't shoot he's still off he's still rusty as heck but it, little by little he's getting there Anthony Davis by the way probably the bust of the season but let's see if we can squeeze anything out of him here Andre Drummond still finding a way to keep a role, and then certainly LeBron. I Kuzma's the one, to me, that probably disappears. He's finding a way to do other things, but 6-3-pointer is not sustainable. He had five blocks in the Lakers' two games over the weekend. So he's doing other stuff, but there, there's just too many things that are wrong with Kuzma's fantasy game. You know, 28 and a half minutes a game this year, he's number 183. So a couple half-decent games where peripheral stats are better, that's not going to convince me to change my opinion. Yeah, I know he's in the top 75 over the last two weeks, but look, LeBron just came back. Kuzma didn't really capitalize on guys being out all that much. Kudos to him for adapting his game a little bit, but fantasy-wise, it's not going to be enough. I guess unless LeBron has to miss time, then we can reassess from there. Let's keep moving. Let's turn the page back to Saturday. This is uh, not going as speedily as I hoped. Detroit... <laughs> what the hell is going on with this team? You pretty much just have to watch to see who's in and who's out on a nightly basis. It seems like the veterans are pretty much done, which would mean that Sadiq Bey, Isaiah Stewart, those guys have been playing every game anyway, but if you take Mason Plumley out of the equation, then, I, then Stewart gets very good. If you made it through Detroit's three-game week... Now you've got a fiver on tap. So Bay and Stewart are going to be great for the five-game week. You might even argue for a Frank Jackson stream because when Corey Joseph, Jeremy Grant, Wayne Ellington, and Plumlee are all out, he steps into a pretty big scoring role. Killian Hayes is definitely a start when Joseph sits. And that's about as far as I go. Josh Jackson would, might play in all five games, but his, he's built much more for points leagues as well. He might do more damage than good for your team in five games. It's kind of the Darius Baisley effect there. But then we have to wait, because what if Joseph and Plumley and Grant and Ellington, what if these guys do surface for two or three games this week? Well, then it punts a bunch of these guys back into non-Roto friendly. So I think you just hold on to many of them, I guess. Bay, like I said, Bay, you can start every night. No one's taking his job. Stewart, I'd only start when Plumlee's out. Hayes, I'm only starting when Joseph is out. And then flip it. When those guys are in, you start those guys. It's a mess, man. They're in in some real fun tanking business over there, and it's a little annoying. Warriors blew out the Rockets on Saturday. Juan Toscano Anderson had nine defensive stats in 34 minutes of this ballgame. Andrew Wiggins... Had a sore knee. Kind of played through it, but we'll monitor that. See if he sticks it out. Steph was not that great, actually. He had 30 points, but it took him 23 shots to get there. Seven more three-pointers, though. It's weird to call that not that great. It's not that great for Steph. Uh, No Kelly Oubre. No Damian Lee still. Trying to piece some bodies together on this Warriors team. So what does that mean? Well, Jordan Poole had one of his games where he takes a bunch of shots, but that's not a guy you're using. The Warriors are screwy. You know, they've got a back-to-back today and tomorrow against the Pelicans twice. They play them again next week, by the way. And then they've got the Thunder twice this week also. So you're like, well, they're playing some teams that want to score and run, but there's a possibility of a couple of blowouts with those Thunder games. This This is a very dangerous time to be expanding your Warriors pool. I will say... And that's not a pun, by the way. Jordan Poole is not the guy that I would expand it to. Kent Bazemore is the guy that I would consider consider expanding my Warriors to, even on the Roto side, because he's going to get you his steals, his threes. He rebounded better than usual in this ballgame. That's not usually going to be the big thing. But I think you could probably stream Baze as long as Oubre's out. That's where we were at before, so it might as well be there again. Indy got Demonis Sabonis back, and boy, did he make an impact. 26-19-14. and 14. Doug McDermott had 31. O'Shea Brissett slid down to play power forward. He had another big ball game, so I guess you can keep rolling him out there. We'll see what happens if or when Goga Batadze comes back, but for now, those four guys are your starts. TJ McConnell, I think you can start as well. He probably would have played more if this game wasn't a crazy blowout. Malcolm Brogdon, when he comes back, that does shake things up a little bit. I don't think I would play Doug McDermott when... Guys like Brogdon come back. Edmund Sumner, by the way, played the first 12 minutes of this ballgame and then left with a sore knee, but I think he's expected to play in their next ballgame. But if McDermott is starting, then screw it. Fire him up. I'm good with that. He's a three-point specialist. He'll score a bunch. Pretty good with free throws, so why the hell not? And then, of course, watch the injury report. Cleveland... Uh, we're sk- I'm skipping over some teams because we already talked about them. Kevin Love had one weird game over the weekend where he just refused to take a shot, and then in this one, he took a bunch. Darius Garland was out, so Chetty Osman, who was about to turn into a pumpkin, was able to get a little bit more wiggle room because they slid Isaac Okoro down to shooting guard, took Garland's spot in the backcourt. Osman got another start, and then he's kind of the front court facilitator for this team. 15 points, 11 assists. I don't have an update on Garland. I think he's day-to-day. We don't know. I mean, again, we're talking about another team that has nothing to play for. Cavaliers 21 and 43. Ever so slight step forward on the year, but they're in tank mode now. So why rush him back? I think you stream Jetty as long as he's starting. But really, I need one of those two backcourt guys to be out. I need one of the two eye usage dudes, Sexton or Garland. One of them needs to be on the shelf if I'm going to trust Jetty Osman. And that's more on the roto side. Because it's that same thing, where what if you pick up a guy, he loses his job, and you have to drop him midweek. Cavs play four times the last six days of this week. But I don't think there's anybody that I would trust there. By the way, Dean Wade had a pretty good ball game here. Again, don't care. 18 points on six three-pointers, and that was basically it. So it all comes down to whether or not Darius Garland is playing if you're going to mess around with the Cavaliers. Memphis, speaking of messing around, messed around and lost to the Orlando Magic. DeAnthony Melton, only 19 minutes. Would they have won had he played more? I don't know. But seven and six with three assists, two steals, three blocks, and a three-pointer. He just gets it done, man. Slow-mo exploded for 21. One of his best games since the return of Jaron Jackson Jr., who was quieter, and this is something that we anticipated with JJJ. He was going to come back with all that adrenaline, kaboom, adrenaline style, and then reality was going to set in, that his body wasn't really ready for an NBA season, particularly not jumping in with a team that suffered a number of postponements and are making up games left and right right now. They've got the Knicks tonight. They have nine games left this year. And they basically are just trading off back to backs and non back to backs the rest of the way, with the exception of the only four game in five night bucket for any team the entire season next week. They go Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday. Youch. So that's what you're seeing right now. You're seeing Jaron Jackson Jr. dealing with the adrenaline wearing off and his body trying to reacclimate to an NBA schedule. You can still start him if you want, but expect this to be a little dip. And we don't know how long it's going to last. And with the season only two weeks longer, is there enough time for him to come out of that dip? Don't draft injured guys. I'm actually considering benching slow-mo, although this ballgame gives me pause on that. But Melton's a go. Ja, more so for points leagues, certainly, than anything else. But he's a go. You just kind of have to at this point. And then Dylan Brooks, more points league type of guy as well. On the Orlando side, Cole Anthony, another game winner. Unheralded young fella has two of them this year. He's a go. Uh, Orlando went a little goofball in this ballgame. They had their reserves come in and fight their way back into it. So you got some kind of off-kilter things. Gary Harris, by the way, worth mentioning, he's playing in their back-to-backs right now. Did not have a good ball game here, but overall he's actually been relatively decent. Uh, not quite good enough for me in Roto. In Roto, I would start Cole Anthony, Mo Bamba, who was not great, but blocked a couple shots and that kind of saved things. And Mo Wagner, as long as Chuma Okiki's out. And it seems like they're going to be real cautious with Chuma, so you can probably even start Wagner in head-to-head this week. He's playing giant minutes, and if he plays giant minutes, the fantasy stats are going to be equally massive. I think. I mean, he's, he's, to me, a guy you race out and pick up because it's a streamer of opportunity. With this team, that's not a terrible schedule. They have eight games the rest of the way every other day this week. And yeah, you might have to drop him midweek, which is kind of annoying, but it might be worth it because he could really go huge for as many ball games as he has the room to do so. RJ Hampton had a big one off the bench, but I don't trust it. This is more of the flash in the pan, I think. And then Dwayne Bacon, talked about him enough. No, pass. Love the Mo Wagner stuff right now, though. Pelicans beat the Wolves in overtime, 140-136. Lonzo, he really does make that team better. Say what you want about the Pels, and say what you want about Lonzo Ball. They are better with him healthy, and it's not really a question mark. Willie Hernan Gomez, 12-12, and 12. the uh, double boxcars, double-double for Willie, and then he'll be fine. That's the kind of crap you're going to get out of him as long as Steven Adams is out. There's not going to be much else to his fantasy game, so kind of a rebounding field goal percent streamer. Jackson Hayes would be his backup. He has the better fantasy game, but he's probably not going to play enough to utilize it. Eric Bledsoe, just barely enough, and unfortunately that means no one outside of the starting five for – the Pels can quite get there. Ricky Rubio's had a couple good ball games in a row for the Wolves, and this one happened to coincide with D'Angelo Russell getting off to kind of a slow start and then turning it on a little bit later. But for Rubio, to his credit, he has regained his point guard job on that team. So Minnesota, you can pretty much start the starters with the exception of Jaden McDaniels. That's it. And then adding in D'Angelo Russell. Sorry, he's off the bench. Chicago, uh, (laughs) it's a rough time right now. No Vooch and no Zach Levine. By the way, I I wonder what this would do to a locker room. Bulls are in real trouble. First of all, they're three games out of the play-in spot. Season completely came apart after the trade deadline. They were almost ready to work in Vooch, and then Levine went down with protocols. But this is what I'm talking about. What does this do to a team dynamic? Because we don't know. We don't really know who's who's been vaccinated and who hasn't. We can certainly guess based on how things go in, in protocols and quarantine. But Levine had COVID. That doesn't mean he didn't get vaccinated because there is, there are these examples of like one in four to five thousand. They call them breakthrough. But the vaccines have been incredibly effective at preventing illness and shortening illness and all that good stuff. So I'm going to safely, I think, assume that Levine didn't. Get vaccinated. And I'm not going to go into anything on this. This isn't a podcast about how you take care of your body. I hope you all do, because every time someone does, we all move just a little bit closer to normalcy. But that's not what this pod's about. This pod is about, what does that do to a team dynamic? Because we know, we, we heard these silly anecdotes about Thad Young, who, by the way, is going to kill it if Vooch has to miss any more time. Go, Thad, go. I love it, man. I cannot believe that Thad Young turned out to be a thing this year. That that floors me. Completely floors me. He's played 60 games. He's inside the top 100 for the season now after that brutal start to the year by totals. Let's get the totals numbers for Thad. I just want to do it. 69! He's inside the top 70 by totals. I can't believe it. All right. Anyway, the thought I was having and we will continue is you're talking about the face of the team in Zach Levine, the guy that everybody else on the club looks to for leadership, for guidance, for the big bucket, all of that stuff. The Bulls were already scuffling, but you could pin a lot of that on trying to adjust to having a, a basically like an entire roster overhaul at the trade deadline. Because they sent out Daniel Gafford, they sent out, Wendell Carter Jr., they brought in Nick Vucevic, they brought in Troy Brown Jr., they sent out. I mean, the list goes on and on. There was a ton of roster turnover, and and that type of stuff doesn't just fix itself overnight. But they were squeezing out wins here and there. You know, they were just ever so slightly sub-500 as those guys were figuring out how to play with one another. And then, boom, Levine goes down. And the team has gone into a, a complete tailspin. I mean, I, I guess it could be worse. I guess it could be worse. They've won a couple of games. They beat the Heat in there, and a surprise win. They beat the Hornets in there. beat the Cavs. They beat the Celtics. So a couple of surprise wins. But for the most part, they've been bad. They've been bad without Zach Levine. And they're even worse without Vooch. And I'm kind of beating around the bush here. But I just wonder... We know that most of these guys on the team were vaccinated. We know Thad joking about how he was the one guy who got it in his right arm. What does it say? What, and right or wrong? Look, I'm not going to pass judgment on whether or not whatever you feel or whatever the team feels. We're not here to pass judgment on whether, whatever those feelings are, whether they're right or wrong. But I do wonder if this thing, which is ultimately a personal choice, Could that fracture a locker room? Because Levine, getting COVID, basically coincided with the Bulls' playoff hopes disappearing. He went down, they went down. Wizards have been surging, so that's sort of the other side of that equation. Washington coming roaring out of nowhere to just sort of blitz past everybody else. But what if Levine doesn't go down? What if they're like two games better over their last 10, and they're only one game behind the Wizards right now instead of three? That's all it would take. A couple of little tiny wins. Maybe they beat the Cavs in that game on April 21st. I don't know. Maybe they beat the Hawks last night, if Levine's healthy. Hawks haven't looked very good lately. What would it mean? Do they blame him? I'm sure there'll be plenty of time to just let it blow over, but... I think it could be a thing right now. In the meantime, with no Vooch, Daniel Tice is their starting center, so he's a streamer in Roto if Vooch has to miss any more time. And there's a possibility that as the Bulls see this thing begin to slip away, maybe they do kind of put a pin in Vooch and Levine. And if that's the case, well, they're going to have to find a way to score, but Kobe White's going to go nuts for as long as that's... And he didn't have a good ball game here. He just couldn't hit his shots, but... Assume that'll level itself out. Tice would be a great ad in that instance. It doesn't sound like Vooch is in that bad a shape. He was considered a game-time decision. and He's already questionable for their back-to-back. I think they've got one in Philly tonight. Am I getting that right? Uh, home. Hosting Philly. Excuse me, I had the venue wrong. So Vooch might just pop right back in there. But if anything goes wrong on that front, jump on Tice as fast as humanly possible. On the Atlanta side, Trey Young is back and he's rolling. Thirty-three and seven. Figured the Bulls weren't going to be able to slow him down. John Collins, big ball game. Bogdan Bogdanovich back. That was a big deal for them. They've needed him as the other playmaker. Clint Capella, he's back. Couldn't hit a free throw to save his life, but he's back. And, of course, this turns Gallo into a bit of a pumpkin. Just, you know, it's nice to see the Hawks getting healthy again because that was a team that just lost everybody right at the same time. Kevin Herter also played. Thought that would be a much longer absence. Wasn't good. So should he have? I don't know. But he did, and that's good for Atlanta, too. Certainly solidifies the fantasy side of things. Washington uh, lost a tough one in Dallas. Russell Westbrook has really gone bananas late this season. And I've got to think that his recent play probably completely changes how people look at him in fantasy next year. Because he was unusable for long stretches this season. And he's been much better lately. He's actually inside the top 100 on a per-game basis, which doesn't seem like it should be a big thing, but it is because of how bad he was before that. He's been top 50 now for two months Still only shooting 67% at the free-throw line, but field goal percents up to 45. He's averaging 24, 12, and 12 over that stretch. This is 9-cat. So Russ, apparently a top-50 guy all of a sudden. Man, of course, he and Beal are pretty much doing all of it themselves. Davis has cooled off, which makes him a difficult play. Daniel Gafford is the other guy you can use on that team, 9-7 and with a couple of blocks. If he's getting 25 minutes, he's good to go. For Dallas... Again, we've already talked about them, but it really just does come down to whether or not Kristaps Porzingis is playing, because if he doesn't, some of the, one of those other centers might be okay, but not enough for me to trust him. Denver beat the Clippers, Jokic, another big ball game. He's your MVP guy, guys. Uh, Michael Porter Jr. was good. Compazzo had been kind of a, a point guardy stream, but their schedule's lightened up a little bit now, so I don't think you necessarily need to stick with that. And it really, it's probably a two-man team at the moment in Denver. With a schedule not overloaded, it's fine. Their schedule's not bad, but it's not 5-7 and like it was two weeks ago to last week. So you're pretty much just using the two guys that have Roto, are over the cut line in Roto. Clippers got Kawhi Leonard back. He looked a little rusty. Didn't really assert himself. 16 points, 5 boards, 6 assists. He'll be fine. Fire him back up again. Reggie Jackson played 30 minutes. His role will trend down with Kawhi back. Batum's role trends down, Marcus Morris' role trends down, Kawhi coming back just pretty much punches a hole into everything here. Rajon Rondo played 30 minutes in this ball game, which is notable because if it happens again, you probably roll him out there, but no, not yet. Not yet. I don't think that that sticks. There's too many options for the Clippers for orchestrating feel like this one ended up with more Rondo because Paul George was so bad. Talked about Toronto already. They just got guys jumping in and out. Although we didn't really talk about Toronto. Uh, Kem Birch is a go. They're a very rotoy team right now. Malachi Flynn, I think you can... Uh, his, his percentages are not very good. I think I'd... He's a guy you, you started for their five-game week in head-to-head. I don't think that you have to in a three-game week. So he's probably a drop. Find somebody else playing more games this week. And then the rest of those guys, you just kind of hang on because their they're veterans are playing in the non-back-to-backs, which is what they've got this week. And then uh, Birch, if you want to call him a veteran, you can throw him on top of the fire there. On the Utah side, Mike Conley's missed a few games in a row. That's been big for Boyan. Finally, he's getting it going. Royce O'Neal's been good. Basically, since Donovan Mitchell went down, he's had to do a little bit more. Ingles, Gobert, that's all fine. Jordan Clarkson, I don't think, is a must-start guy. His, his, his shooting's been terrible. He's... he's crazy volume if you need what he brings he's he's more of a specialist at this point and then we ask ourselves the question as we do every time on monday did we miss anything from friday and the answer is a resounding no question mark i think everybody played over the weekend this time i think all right i want to get this sucker wrapped up we're at I think we're over 50 minutes here on just on going through every team in the NBA. Uh, what's coming up on Monday night? It's a medium-sized Monday, eight-game card that, as we've been talking about, you're pretty much looking at injury stuff. For Indiana, who's playing? Is Malcolm Brogdon playing, assuming Sabonis is in there? Does Patadze play? Can they go huge? Is Sumner in? Is McDermott starting? A lot of injury questions on the Indiana. Very few on the Washington side, actually. We talked about them just a minute ago. They're kind of three guys and out. Orlando, they have injury questions. Is Terrence Ross ever going to show his face again? Chumo Kiki's already been ruled out, which means Mo Wagner is going to kick ass tonight. Detroit, who's in, who's out? We haven't gotten the report on them yet. I'm assuming the veterans are sitting out one half of the back-to-back. Maybe both. Warriors. Kelly Oubre, his status. That will influence whether or not you want to do Kent Bazemore. I don't think there's anything with New Orleans you're watching for. Portland, Norman Powell got added to the injury report With some tendinopathy. If he's out, it's not entirely clear what they go there. Probably Anthony Simons. It'll be more shots for Melo as well. But I don't know that I would... I don't think I would dive into that. Atlanta sounds like they're getting healthy, so just you know dial it back to what they were before. Philly, starters, Bulls. I guess Zach Levine could reappear at some point here. Too late, you jerk. (laughs) My fantasy team died thanks to nine injuries in 11 days. Levine being one of them. Made it to the semis. So upset. I almost won. I can't believe it was even as close as it was. I lost 6-5 to five in an 11-cat league. Uh, and with, with the number of injuries. I had so many injuries, I had to use all of my roster moves for the week on replacing injured guys, and I still had two more injured guys I couldn't get rid of. That's how rough it got. Oops. Ah, well, what are you going to do? Uh, so Chicago, yeah, there's a lot of injury stuff going on there. Mostly just a ton of thad, if guys sit things out. Knicks, Nerlens Noel is on the injury report. Grizzlies, Grayson Allen's actually been the only guy dinged up. Interested to see how this ball game goes. Memphis is in this rough scheduling stretch, just playing every day pretty much. Are they running out of gas? Because their shooting sure stinks lately. Spurs, they rested everybody. Now they'll probably play them here in Utah. If they do, that should be pretty much as expected. Uh, Utah, nothing. Denver, I don't think there's really anything with Denver, although it sounds like Monte Morris is getting close to coming back, and I think he'll probably retake a lot of that point guard work because Compazzo seems like he's also kind of run out of gas. And Monte Morris might be worth a stream when he comes back. Uh, We'll let it happen first, though. I don't know if he's going to jump right into a ton of stuff. Uh, Does LeBron play for the Lakers tonight is the big question. Does AD play on the back-to-back? They need to get some wins here somehow, but this is maybe not the best time to try to do it. They're four-point underdogs, which makes me think that both LeBron and AD are going to sit this one out, which, as we saw before, also, by the way, Dennis Schroeder in protocol for the Lakers is going to mean a ton of who-the-hell-knows-what. KCP's probably going to have to take a bunch of shots. You're going to see Taylor Horton Tucker probably take a bunch of shots. Kuz will. Let's get nuts with usage for the Lakers for a night. Good grief. All right, let's get this thing wrapped up. Uh, Shout out to our buddies at Manscaped.com. They've got a big thing they're unrolling later this week. Can't wait to tell you guys about that. And please do check out mybookie.ag. Open up an account with promo code HOOPBALL. Start gambling today with our buddies. You bet you win. They pay. I am Dan Bespris. This is Fantasy NBA Today. You can follow me on Twitter at Dan Bespris. Again, keep listening. Keep listening, folks. We do damage here because we're always prepared. Can't prepare for an injury a day, but you can prepare for everything else. Have a great Monday, everybody. Back at you tomorrow morning. More streaming talk as we wind down the NBA season. Yep. Countdown time. We'll talk to you then.